But I'm so grateful that I've never been able to the, uh, the command of Jesus to follow me. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning. After his resurrection at the end of John's Gospel, Jesus turned to Simon Peter. He spoke straight. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Follow me. He went on to talk about the hardship, terrible hardship that would be ahead of him. But follow me. And Peter turned, you may remember, he turned and he saw John. What? Or what about him? And Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And I think that so often we live out our lives watching and making comparisons and uh, judging our Christian brothers and sisters around us. Why are they doing that? Shouldn't some other priority? And 2,000 years later, Jesus still challenges each one of us. No matter what age we are, no matter our situation, forget the crowd. Stop making the comparisons and the criticism and follow me. So whether you're in full-time ministry on a mission field or on a sports field, or whether or not you're holding a job or holding a baby or holding a cell phone, no matter what, the message for you is the same. You follow me. Many of us remember the impact of an all-black Michael Jones. His example etched on my memory forever. A man who said, no, I will not play for the All Blacks on a Sunday. So much courage to stand up against the crowd. And what an impact that and still has on people, not just in New Zealand, but around the world. Follow me. So there it is simply, follow me. And in Acts 1, Verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Several things grab my attention about that particular verse. Firstly, I'm reminded how in my teenage years and in my years, although I was a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, it was always a huge struggle to speak about my faith. Such a huge effort. I was like a jelly. Just so worried about people's reactions to me. And it was only when I asked Jesus to baptize me and all that he had for me in the Holy Spirit, it's only then that overnight, I was radically changed. My fear of standing up for Christ vanished. Had nothing to do with me, but he alone transformed me. And many of you know that. Some of you are still wondering about that. And that's a challenge I leave with you today too. Sort it out. 
Know that Jesus will never let you down when you say to him, Lord, I will surrender. I choose to do that. So in the scripture we have it. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Samaria and, 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 and to the ends of the earth. That little word and fascinates me. As you and I read scripture, remember that whenever we get to that little word, what comes after it is just as important as what comes before it. Imagine a seesaw. There's part of it. And there is and at the junction. And it gives us a balance. So, tuck that away if that might be relevant for you today. Keep checking scripture. Look for that little word and. And. Just another example for a moment. If we went to Philippians, I don't think we've got it on the screen. But if we did, uh, Philippians 3.10 103 years ago, some of you would, with me, have, uh, would have hit that verse and would have learnt it, or the first part of it, as a memory verse. The uh, New King James Version puts it slightly different to the NIV Version, but it reads like this, that I, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being, being made conformable to his death. How many of you have prayed that first part with passion over the years? That I may be like him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Full stop. That's a great prayer in itself. But remember again that there's no full stop there. goes on to say, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Acts 1.8, again for a moment. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That word witness in New Testament Greek translates into the word martyr, someone killed for their beliefs. So when Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me, the disciples knew that they were heading into dangerous territory. Many of you know that Simon Peter was crucified upside down on a cross, that Stephen was stoned to death about 34 AD, at a time when roughly 2,000 Christians were also martyred. Paul was beheaded. Andrew was crucified on a cross, two ends of which were fixed transversely in the ground. That's why the Prezies have a distinctive cross in the centre of their logo. But less well known is that Philip was tortured and crucified. Matthew, killed by the sword. James was clubbed to death. Matthias was beheaded, Mark dragged to pieces to his death, Jude was crucified, Luke probably hung on an olive tree, and John was the only apostle 
who escaped a violent death. Each word in the New Testament was written, was God-breathed, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And each letter and book was almost literally written by blood-stained hands. So many writers died for their faith. And in the light of that fact, surely it's time for us to stop quibbling about phrases we don't like in the New Testament because they don't suit our feeling. Um, feelings which have often been moulded by a culture that's antagonistic to God anyway. Surely, as followers of Christ, we need to accept it and treasure it and believe and live it as we reach out and offer hope to a dying world. Men who died for their faith. Hebrews 12, 1-3, we're reminded... Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before he endured the cross, scorned the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Isn't that awesome? Wonderful encouragement for each of us. In recent times, several examples of witnesses, modern witnesses, martyrs, have caught my attention. Three years ago, the world was stunned by footage of 21 Coptic Christians in orange overalls who were about to be beheaded by ISIS soldiers on a beach in Libya. Do you remember that? Later it emerged that the 21st martyr was not Egyptian, but was from Ghana. He was not originally a Christian, but when he saw the immense faith of the others who were being headed before him, when the terrorists asked him if he rejected Jesus, he reportedly said, their God is my God, knowing that he would be martyred. What an inspiration. These are our brothers and sisters that are been given such a terrible time we cannot imagine what it must be like to be literally alongside them second example I want to introduce you to Sharma and her husband Shezad three years ago in a Pakistani village there was a rumour that this Christian couple burned some pages of the it was a set up by the owner of a local kiln who falsely accused them for owing him money an angry mob came for them. Sharma was pregnant with their fourth child. And they were burned alive in the kiln that so hot that nothing remained at all. And their three children are now being cared for by relatives. And in that village, something like 10 
Other Christian couples have fled for their lives, fearing persecution. Open Doors organization estimates that over 200 million Christians face intimidation, prison or death for their faith in Jesus Christ today. And they estimate that 450 Christians are killed for their faith each day. Break that down, that would mean that uh, about 20 of you, 20 of you, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, Stuart, including you as well. In the last hour, that number of Christians around the world will have been killed for their faith. So in closing, how can we respond? Galatians 6.2, we are told, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. carry each other's burdens. Hebrews 13.3 Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as you yourselves were suffering. And thank God we have so many missionaries right now who are standing alongside groupings around the world who are carrying burdens, who are suffering with them. That, that does not let each one of us off the hook, surely. Remember the story that Jesus told of the despised Samaritan who picked up that victim, on, victim of uh, GBH on the side of the road and he looked after him? What did Jesus say to him at the end? Or did he say to his disciples at least? He said, go and do likewise. In those scriptures and in that Samaritan story, challenge not just to think about it, but to wade in, to get your hands dirty, to get stuck in. Go and do likewise says Jesus. Follow me, he says. No matter where you are, no matter where you are at in your faith journey, follow me. It's a timeless challenge. At times it's going to cost you in the workplace, for those of you in the workplace especially, huge challenges there if you determine to be a, a man or a woman of integrity, follow me. It's costly. Jim Elliot impressed me when I was a kid. Top photo. He was martyred, American, went to South America, martyred by the Orca Indians. 
Ask Martin to borrow some of his books on that situation. Amazing things have eventuated from that. But Jim Elliot, who was killed on a riverbank, along with his other friends, said this in one of his quotes, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can't lose. Chuck Swindoll, on the other hand, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. So true. The ball's an output. What are you, am I, doing with the opportunities that God keeps giving to us? Finally, finally. Somebody wrote this, don't know who. Not great poetry, but got through to me. God is looking for men and women who will stand for right, even if heaven totters and the earth reels. The men who can tell the truth and look the world right in the eye. Men in whom the courage of everlasting life still runs deep and strong. Men who know their message and tell it. Men who know their place and fill it. Men who know their business and attend to it. Men who will not lie, will not shirk, will not dodge. Men who are not too lazy to work or too proud to be poor. And to that I might add, Men and women who dare to respond, to follow me, go for it. Amen. As we move into communion this morning, I'm struck with the fact that although the early writers the Gospel writers and the early disciples wrote, as it were, scriptures which were almost literally stained with blood. Nothing that they went through will ever compare with the agony that Jesus Christ went through as he approached the cross, as he, approached, as he offered his own body to God for your sin and for my sin. His body, according to the prophet Isaiah and other scripture writers, his body was crushed. His face was disfigured beyond recognition. And, and none of us will ever understand the depth of his agony as he coped with separation from his father while he hung on that cross. And that is just a part of what your sin and my sin cost him. And to think that he did all of that because he loved you and he loved me and he gave himself because of that love.